What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, get your popcorn. Famed short seller Jim Chanos. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. He's been tweeting about AMC as long as the Reddit apes have been trading it. The reality is, is things have gotten worse at this company from the depths of the pandemic on January 1st. All through the unlikely journey for the movie theater chain. That's the problem with meme stock trading. And where Chanos bets it's going next. Is your call that the stock will go down or is your call that the stock should go down? (laughs) Movies, memes, risky money from the LeBron James of short selling. Nothing, nothing makes a difference. It's just, it's just, what, what is it then? What is this? They'll blame Wall Street, I suspect, if they lose money. If you keep doing dumb things, if you keep saying, I'm a nihilist, I eat crayons, I don't care about this, I don't care about that. Well, if you end up losing money, you only have yourself to blame. It's Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start. Squawk Pod begins right after this. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. And today on the pod, AMC and the apes. The movies and the meme stocks. Movie theater chain AMC Entertainment reported earnings Monday. A loss, but a little better than what was expected. CEO Adam Aaron said the company still has challenges ahead, but it could post a profit as soon as the fourth quarter if, if... The domestic box office reaches at least $5.2 billion. That would give AMC theaters enough to cover expenses. So that's a big if. Many Americans have not been to the physical movie theater in a very long time due to the pandemic. Through this past weekend, box office revenue this year stands at $1.7 billion. Now, there are a lot of movies coming out in the fourth quarter of the holiday season, but is it enough? 
AMC also reached a deal with Warner Brothers to showcase all of the studio's 2022 slate in theaters for 45 days, trying to reverse the streaming reliance of pandemic movies. Adam Aaron has embraced AMC's memeability with retail traders this year who have poured billions into the stock. I look at these uh, millions of individual investors as uh, uh, who really uh, uh, came on the scene just in the last six months. They're the owners of my company. They don't work for me, I work for them. They're my bosses. In his earnings conference call, Greetings and welcome to the AMC Entertainment second quarter 2021 earnings webcast. Aaron took questions from a lot of individual traders, and just one from a Wall Street analyst. And lastly, because the future is here, AMC announced it will accept Bitcoin as payment for movie tickets and snacks. So quite a show. We get into all of that today with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Melissa Lee. Here's Andrew. And then they're the apes. Let's talk about the apes, Melissa. You were on the air, I think, Melissa, but you know, during this call... Adam is talking about Bitcoin. He's he's uh, referencing SPACs. He's taking questions about whether he's going to do a joint venture with GameStop. And I cannot even count the number of times already that our shareholders have asked us to reach out and partner with GameStop. We're on the case. More to come. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start. Okay. Here's a question for you. If you had to grade Adam Aaron with how he handled his majority shareholder base, which oh, is retail genius. investors, what grade would that be? An A plus. Exactly. An A plus, 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 plus. Exactly. But I am very concerned, and I know the apes aren't concerned, and they think that I'm uh, somehow shilling for the man or something when I say this. Stoking I'm concerned FPG. that Adam Aaron is taking advantage of you, apes. That's what's happening here. I, I don't I don't see Take it any advantage other or, or the incentives are aligned. If both parties want to see this company well, succeed and survive, their interests are aligned anyhow. So is that really taking advantage of a shareholder base? Well, hold, hold on. One is the other thing that was mentioned, I think, was this idea that he may sell shares in the company. Right. Um, that they may put together one of these believe, uh, so, 10B5 programs yeah. where he's mm-hmm. going to set his schedule to sell shares. So. Let, let's be honest about, you know, how aligned everybody ultimately becomes in, in all of this. You know, uh, maybe they're not taking advantage. Maybe this is uh, they're all aligned in a, in a collective delusion. I'm not sure what version of it you want me to describe here, but there's something, you know, that's that's more than a little off. So so he said that for them to reach profitability they're going to have to, uh, the box office is going to have to hit $5.2 billion. Which is They're aggressive. at 1.7 right now. So right. check your calendar and you tell me, you tell me whether it's, you it's think a, that the business has got, the business basically has to be less difficult. than 16% here's, here's the off for okay. the rest of the year. 80% of shareholders are retail. Are those retail yes. investors in it for the goal of hitting profitability by the end of the year? Is that their goal? I don't know right. what their no. goal is. No, I mean, but, but if you talk to any of the apes and, and the so-called, I don't want to say leaders of the apes, but the ones who are her most outspoken in terms right. of making the case for the ape army, the goal of profitability is not 
in anybody's sights. It has nothing to do with the movement of the stock and where the stock could go. So setting forth a profitability target is almost moot. It, the fact that it's almost it's unreachable or unthinkable that it would be reachable to hit 5.2 right. by the end of the year, that's, that's a completely, it's just, that doesn't make a difference. Here in, the, in this bull case for this, for this so, reality. But what makes a difference? And nothing? Nothing makes a difference? It's just, it's just what, what is it then? What is this? <laughs> That's what an existential question, Andrew. What it is is a stock that is at where it is, and nobody thought it would still be here. Three, I, it was off the highs, obviously, but nobody thought it would still be here 36, you know, or in the 40 range, sort of. For this long, no one thought that, did they? I, I don't disagree with you. I yeah. I, I very much so recognize that the stock is where it is, and there it has value insofar as you can sell the stock right now, and it and and somebody will send you cash for the value of that stock. I'm just wondering what the end game is here. That's the part that I have have yet to fully appreciate. They're waiting for the I mother of see, all short squeezes, the mother well, of all moas, the mother but we of also all short know, squeezes. We also know that there's not this short interest in this company has not increased. It's actually gone down over time. So it's the, the, the short squeeze that's, thesis I becomes it becomes harder to execute, if you will. Um, that's a whole other rabbit hole in terms of the belief that there are synthetic shorts out there in the market. So short no, interest. I know that there's the a whole. Dur- I know. Interests. Yeah, I, I, I know you know. See, the thing is that we know. We, <laughs> I'm just presenting we know, their point we know. of view. We know. We know. We know all this. But this is what the stock is. This is what the story is right now. So but you, you know can what? come if up the, with if a the, fundamental if, analysis, and that is valid, the, and it's a model, and I, I respect the numbers, and I respect the assumptions right. there. But this is a stock story. The charts tell you. If you told me that the if you told me that the AMC shareholders were going to approve the company's ability to continue to sell shares and raise cash, I actually would feel differently because I think that right. you could almost um, through this sort of collective whatever uh, mm-hmm. you, you you could manifest your own destiny by by continuing right. to raise cash constantly and then be able to buy something and be able to pay all the debt down, and you could actually manifest your own destiny. That's, and by the way, you could argue that, that Tesla, in its own way, was, ap- was in its own way uniquely able to manifest its own destiny. A company oh, that didn't have enough cash flow to run the business, but was able to... They leaned into um, it, they issued shares. Get the support of their own converts. shareholders. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Way, which is very that. different. Which is very different, I would also just uh, suggest, than Amazon. I know people oftentimes look at uh, companies at one point and they say, well, look, you know, 20 years later, Amazon did very well. Amazon raised money once. Once. They raised money once. And then they actually were cash flow positive. Now, they weren't you know, making huge profits uh, constantly, obviously. But it was, it was a very different scenario. So, well, I think, anyway, I think you, well, the retail shareholder base, first of all, didn't actually cast the vote. Adam Aaron scrapped it ahead of the vote in terms of issuing new shares. I mean, that is a question to ask Adam Aaron. You don't believe that he pulled that because he didn't think he could get it? He pulled it because he said, well, at the time he tweeted that it would be divisive, that there was a lot of backlash within the retail community, et cetera. But what is that that actual calculation when a CEO says, we thinks we need money, but we're going to scrap this offering anyway? There's got to be a game plan here, right? So right. I wonder what that is. That's a chess move. Do you know 
Um, I, I, I got a little bit of hate online, and I'm sure there'll be more this morning. Uh, do you know any Bitcoin investors uh, who are looking forward to selling to, to selling their Bitcoin so that they can for use a, it to buy a dollar movie to, ticket to buy film tickets? Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> or a five dollar popcorn? No. <laughs> does I that mean, make it sense to you? Not, okay. not necessarily. Just, just checking. I just I didn't I didn't I didn't know. Sometimes I you know it's a little Alice in Wonderland over here. So, retail traders, apes, if you're out there, sounds like a lot of people are issuing you a warning. From the SEC to the Squawk Box studio in Times Square. Meme stock plays are not all fun and games. At least, that's what the institutions on Wall Street will tell you. For example, right now, many investors, Redditors, apes, are waiting for a turnaround in AMC stock, which would prompt, as Melissa mentioned, the MOAS, or the mother of all short squeezes. A short squeeze is risky. Remember at the beginning of this journey through the market jungle, GameStop, Robinhood, Clover Health, millions made and lost in minutes. So as short interest in AMC rises, we turned to a man called the LeBron James of short selling, who has been tweeting warnings to AMC apes for months. Jim Chanos, founder of Kinecos Associates, Wall Street's catastrophe capitalist, dialed into our TV broadcast to talk all things meme in movie theaters. Here's Andrew. Uh, you have uh, uh, been watching this meme stock phenomenon uh, for quite some time now. I, I think somewhat baffled, as I have been, but I'm curious uh, how you see the earnings report and the support that AMC seems to be getting from its retail shareholder base. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me, uh, Andrew. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, well, of course, the retail base is is crucial to uh, all the meme stocks, and particularly AMC. And uh, and uh, the CEO played that up on the call uh, as he probably should. Um, the problem, of course, is is that everybody is looking at this versus last year, and versus the street's expectations more recently. Um, but of course, is in any of these sort of reopening stocks, you really have to kind of compare them to 2019 pre-pandemic. And in that case, uh, AMC's revenues were down 70% in the uh, in the second quarter versus second quarter 2019. Their ticket sales were down 75%. And to put that in perspective, if you look at it uh, versus another reopening play that we know something about, Planet Fitness, which is, you know, gyms have had their own issues, as have movie theaters. Uh, Planet Fitness reported yesterday, and their revenues were down 25% versus the second quarter of 2019. And that's a little bit more representative of a lot of the reopening uh, type plays that we're seeing. So something else is happening in movie theaters. And I think, as, as probably others have pointed out to you, um, what has changed is, of course, the difference in streaming by the studios and the fact that some of the major studios now are releasing blockbuster movies to home view at the exact same time they're putting them in the theaters. And that's something that's changed. So, Jim, though, when you think about the fact that, that Adam Aaron says, look, we have $2 billion of liquidity. I think they have about $815 million, $813 million of cash on hand. And, and he says it's possible uh, that they could reach profitability by the end of this year. That assumes, though, uh, that the box office total reaches a little over $5 billion. Is that a realistic possibility? Yeah, well, let, let's put expectations into sort of perspective here. Um, at the beginning of this year, 
when AMC stock was trading at two dollars, um, the expectations for revenues for AMC were three and a half billion dollars this year. Today, those same Wall Street expectations for this year are two point four billion. Uh, it, on January first, the company was supposed to be EBITDA positive for the year to the tune of about fifty million dollars. That estimate is now negative five hundred million dollars. Um, and then adjusted net income, which benefits obviously from the increased share count, I should note, uh, was supposed to be almost uh, uh, eight hundred million in the red on January first for the company. It's now supposed to be negative one point five billion in the red. So, I mean, the the reality is, is things have gotten worse at this company from the depths of the pandemic on January first. Um, and, and so clearly, again, something has changed, I think, and that, that change is streaming. We'll see. The latest box office numbers have been running down anywhere from 50 to 70 percent uh, this summer from 2019's level. The U.S. box office was about $11 billion in 2019, and uh, AMC had about a 45 percent market share. They did about $5 billion in revenues. So you can kind of run through the numbers. If they are running down 50 to 60 percent, they're going to be doing somewhere around two and a half billion, um, possibly even less in revenues on a run rate basis. And there's just no way they can be profitable. Um, they have interest expense of almost 100 million a quarter and depreciation and amortization of 100 million. In their peak year 2019, they did 660 million right. EBITDA. If they got back to that, Melissa, they would be losing almost $200 million a year. And I respect and, and the analysis, Jim. I, I, I do, and, and I see it clearly. But at the same time, is your call that the stock will go down, or is your call that the stock should go down? Because there are two different things. As you know, stocks can often be completely divorced in terms of their movement from the reality <laughs> of the company. And so what are we looking at here? Because in a way, you know, I, I get us trying to wrap our heads around this company that is losing money, burning cash with this stock price. But it is what it is. And it's got an 80 percent retail shareholder base, which doesn't care about whether it ever hits profitability right now. Well, it's interesting you say that, because what it does seem to care about is what I've commented on publicly and online, and that is things like short interest, dark pools, um, fail to delivers, and all of the sort of uh, uh, market structure stuff that the AMC apes jump up and down about. The problem with that is is that they're wrong about that as well. Uh, the short interest has dropped in the last six weeks um, from 100, over 100 million to a little under 80 million. Um, the uh, short position could be covered in less than a day at current volumes. Um, but here's the funniest thing of all. Even if you like the, the idea of, of retail and that movies are coming back and that the bears are always wrong, why wouldn't you buy Cinemark trading at 14 or $15, which had the exact same cash flow EBITDA in 2019 as AMC did, has a market capitalization, including debt, excluding leases, of right now about $4 billion versus um, uh, AMC's uh, um, uh, valuation of, of $25 billion. 
uh, and and trades at six times EBITDA from 2019 versus uh, AMC's almost 30 times. And and the best part of all, Cinemark has the same amount of short interest as a percent of the shares outstanding as AMC does. So explain that one. I have no explanation, but are you short AMC, Jim? Would you would you go in that trade, or do we you have a recognize small, we have that a, it's difficult? We have a small put position, Melissa. Mm-hmm. You do. Would you concede that 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 what happened in GameStop? I mean, in terms of the tech. I mean, I understand you, you don't you don't get what they see in terms of the short interest, et cetera. But would you have conceded that the GameStop trade was clever in terms of seeing the short interest and in, in riding that? Being short GameStop at five or ten dollars with one hundred and forty percent of the shares outstanding short was never a good trade, and right. we were not involved and. Uh, we wouldn't have been involved. That, that, is, that is simply different. This is something quite a bit different. This is a stock that is already up 18-fold this year. I, I, I sort of have pointed out, as, as, a, as a few people have picked up on, the apes who are just outraged that this stock could actually trade down on any given day and cheer when it trades up that the shorts are on the run uh, is it, kind of interesting, given that... that the short squeeze may have already happened with the stock up 18-fold this year and uh, compared to GameStop up 7-fold this year. So, again, I, I think people are, are, are investing or trading in this stock not only for the wrong reasons but for misguided reasons. I'll give you one more thought experiment, Melissa. Say this stock dropped 80% and the short interest dropped commensurately 80 percent would the apes like it more or less at seven dollars jim let me ask you a a separate separate it's a good thought experiment i'm thinking about adam aaron but i don't want any of you ever to think that i have anything but full confidence in amc's future he plans to set up a 10 5 one plan where i pass off all the share trading control of the shares that I own or am granted to an independent third-party bank based on parameters of the plan that I only partially set. What's your reaction to that decision? Well, first of all, he, he has every right to do so. And, and I actually know Adam. Uh, I, he's, he's a fellow, uh, he's a fellow uh, in, in the uh, Jeff Sonnenfeld CEO Summit that I know you attend as well. And I think he's done the right moves for the company um, in terms of selling equity. I think he probably would wish from a corporate point of view he could sell more equity right now and retire more debt, and that's what he should do. Um, as it relates to his personal holdings, look, what, why should he be different than any of the other AMC insiders? Most of the other executive suite has sold large amounts of stock, including the chairman, um, the president of Dolly and Wanda. They sold all their shares a few months ago. So uh, I, I, you know, I guess you can't begrudge him uh, trying to, uh, to get liquid in some of his holdings as well. But what does that say about his alignment with these shareholders? Well, look, I mean, he's, he's clearly aligned right now, but, but you never want to see a CEO selling you know, large amounts of stock. The other executives have sold large amounts of their holdings. Adam has not. So that's probably a good question for him. What would you ask him? What, what do you think that shareholders should know? Well, like anything, I'm a fundamentalist. 
uh, so I would love to know what his outlook is for 2022 as, as we're starting to see other companies kind of come to grips with, with their business. And in fact, will the domestic box office ever get back to $11 billion as, as it reached in 2019? I don't think it will. Um, but, uh, but obviously I'd like to, to, to hear his, uh, feelings about that. And, and, and then, uh, you know, what, what are the plans for the capital structure? I know that the shareholders don't want to issue more stock, but, uh, you know, he could issue convertibles. He could try to issue due, due deals for equity. I mean, what are his thoughts on, on the restrictions in the capital structure? Since, since, again, anyone who has a sharp pencil will realize you should be selling equity here to retire debt uh, and other long-term obligations. Maybe even a dull pencil at this point. Um, Jim, I'm wondering if you had commentary on, on the overall meme stock craze. And I know AMC is, is very specific in, in terms of the mechanics of this particular trade. But do you think that there's danger in this? And I, and I ask you this because, you know, obviously you're a fundamental investor. There are, there are a lot of people who use fundamentals in their analysis of stocks and in their mode of investing. But there are plenty who don't. There are plenty who use simply momentum and they use algorithms and they use all sorts of other things that fundamentals cannot necessarily explain. Couldn't this just be another form of trading? Well, it's always been another form of trading. The problem is, is when that goes wrong, the stocks tend to trade, you know, at or below their fundamental value. So the question is, how much risk are you taking for those other forms of trading uh, uh, in case you're wrong? And, and that's, you know, investing's not easy. And, and if you become a financial nihilist, as I've called, where you basically say, I don't care about fundamentals. I know this stock is 10x overvalued. But, you know, the shorts are wrong or, or there's fails to livers or whatever, whatever your rationale is. That's, that's all well and good. But what is the risk you're taking if you should be wrong? There's no margin of safety. And, and I think that's, that's the problem with meme stock trading, is that if it turns out you're wrong or the crowd moves on to something else, your downside can be dramatic. And one other point about that, where I think the sort of retail crowd gets it wrong about hedge funds and short sellers and the rest of the evil villains that they point to, in our case, uh, our AMC position is less than 1% of our net assets. And, and for a lot of hedge funds, a short position might only be 1% or 2% of assets. For retail traders, a stock like AMC could be half their portfolio or a third of their portfolio, or God forbid, 100% of their portfolio. So the risk that they're taking is far, far greater um, should they be wrong. Of course, so is the reward if they're right. Mm-hmm. But, but again, those are risk levels that I think are, are really kind of high-wire acts. And if you're not correct or markets prove you wrong or, or, or begin to trade down for some macro reason, what kind of risks are you taking? Can you afford to lose that money? And that's what worries me about what I see with retail traders today. So it sounds like you really think that the apes are, in fact, dumb money. I didn't say that, Melissa. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I think they're not cognizant of all the risks they're taking uh, in these positions. And again, they'll blame Wall Street. I suspect if they lose money, and and that's one of the things I keep trying to point out: that if you keep doing dumb things, if you keep saying I'm a nihilist, I eat crayons, I don't care about this, I don't care about that. Well, if you end up losing money, you only have yourself to blame. 
Hey, Jim, just wanted to talk about that alignment issue that uh, Adam Aaron's uh, may or may not have with with his shareholders. A lot of people talking about that now online, given the conversation we're having we're having uh, earlier this year. It appears that he gifted millions of dollars of shares uh, to his sons. Um, those shares are now worth tens of millions of dollars. Um, what happens if he if he gives shares to his family effectively to sell? And, and do they have to disclose when they sell? Again, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> Separately, let me ask you a, a different question. That has nothing to do with AMC, which is Tesla. And we've talked about Tesla for a very, really, very long time. Uh, you have been uh, a bear on Tesla, and yet they have, uh, and the company and its shareholders have effectively manifested their own destiny, uh, in part by continuing to raise cash throughout, putting themselves in a position uh, to have success. How, uh, how much do you believe that, that can be a model for other companies now that we're into this uh, unique moment where, where retail traders uh, seem to be willing, uh, in certain instances, to put up that cash? Yeah. So, so George Soros wrote about this years and years ago uh, in, in a book It took me about three times to, to sort of get through uh, the theory of reflexivity in finance, where whereby, you know, the rising stock prices can be self-reinforcing, particularly in troubled companies, if you could use it to raise capital, like AMC has done. It's a good example. Um, but the other thing I've pointed out is that, you know, the Wall Street uh, it also has a printing press in, in addition to the Fed. And if you get prices high enough, you're going to see lots and lots of equity issuance, not only for companies that can put it to good use, but for all kinds of sort of questionable business plans and, and outright scams. And I think that that's, that is sort of where we are now. We're getting into uh, money being raised for all kinds of things that probably aren't, at the end of the day, going to be productive, but might line the pockets of the promoters doing it. And I think that so there's a difference in, in taking that money and, and, and putting it to work in factories, whether the factories are, you know, make profitable products or not, and, and, uh, and doing some of the other things that we're seeing happening, say, for example, in the crypto space, um, or, or in some of the more questionable SPACs. Uh, and, and I think that's just going to go on as long as these markets stay pretty, pretty ebullient. I think we're going to see more and more of that kind of issuance in 2021 and 2022. Do you see, the, though, the interest um, among retail investors as healthy for the market? I think, you know, we talked to Gary Gensler last week about the role of retail investors in the market. And there's a lot of people who look at this as a, as a positive to have people more engaged. Yeah, offenses, people selling them stock. But I mean, the problem, the problem with getting more people, the retail involved, is it always seems to happen toward the end of every cycle, right? I mean, retail wasn't there in '09 at the bottom. Um, they weren't there in '02 after the dot com bubble collapsed. They were certainly there in '99, and and so the problem in the last few cycles, as I see it, is that we get promoters. And insiders and people have done very well cashing out as retail is buying, and 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 I you know that's why I think you see some of this sentiment from the apes in, in going back to AMC's case uh, on how you know, the game is rigged against me. Um, well, yeah, the game would appear to be rigged against you if you keep coming in and buying things ten times what they're worth, uh, and then take the loss and say, well, you know. This was Wall Street doing me in again. That's the problem. I think that for the average investor who invests 
through the cycles, dollar cost averages, invest through their 401k, keeps their fees down. We should have everybody investing. But when we start speculating, you know, in 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 uh, uh, various different cryptos and and questionable coins, um, you know, the six SPAC that some guy puts out, um, the forty eighth different electric vehicle charging company going public, you know, that's when things start to get dicey, in my opinion. And I think that's we're well into that part of the cycle. And I just think that the last group of retail investors coming in are probably going to learn a hard lesson again. I guess I'm not going to ask you if you own Doge, Jim. Um, but more broadly, as a, as a short seller, I'm wondering, um, with the markets close to record highs, how are you seeing the opportunity to short? Do you have dry powder um, ready to go? Do you think the opportunity is going to be soon? Well, I think like a lot of short sellers, obviously what, what happened in, in, in January caught, caught our attention. We had, uh, we had one of the Archigos stocks that, that we couldn't figure out why it was going up every single day. Uh, until it collapsed in March, um, and and you know just it was the it was really kind of crazy. So like a lot of fundamental bears or hedge fund players, we reduced the size of our short positions and the nature of them by trying to limit the risk, um, whether by using options or keeping positions lower than we normally would. But the flip side of it is we have more names. There's a lot more to do. Yeah. And and the, the other thing is is that I would point out to your audience that. The things that were really questionable in the dot-com era that we sort of all remember fondly, uh, like Pets.com and, and, and other sort of uh, oddball kinds of things, back then they were sort of $1 to $2 billion market caps, um, if you go back and look at them. Obviously not the AOLs or the Cisco's, or, but, but the more questionable things that came out at the end of the cycle. Today, those same types of stories in our world are $10, 20 and $30 billion, sometimes even more. And that's a meaningful difference in this cycle than in past cycles. The size of the companies and, and the ideas and the concepts that are being floated for unprofitable companies or companies that will, you know, hopefully make money in 2030 is, uh, in many cases, 10 to 20x what it was in, in 1999. And that's, that's saying something. Jim Chanos, uh, we appreciate you calling in today and uh, providing us with your perspective as always. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again very soon. Hope to do it in person sometime soon, guys. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank Have a you. great rest of the summer. Really appreciate it. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And that's the podcast for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And if you are a regular listener of Squawk Pod, let us know what you think. On Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating or write a review. A plus. An A plus, 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 plus. And share this podcast with a friend. Thanks for being here and for tuning in. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.